welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear chapters 7 and 8 from The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Ah, welcome, lads and lasses. We are, of course, Max and Liz, as Monsieur Announcer pointed out. Again, the name's Denny. Aye, lad, <laughs> duly noted. Boy, Liz, he's a touchy one then, eh? <sighs> Me, we. Well, last time, you remember, we met Al. Aye, and I'm sort of glad we got that behind us then. Uh, for today, our adventure takes us deeper into the forest, where we'll hear Al say... Ah, Max! Help! <laughs> Help! Uh, Max, be nice. Al had every reason to be tentative. Tentative? He were scared. He had a very good reason. <laughs> when I say we let you lads and lasses decide whether Al were right to be a scaredy cat, as we bring you Chapter 7. Chapter 7. The Forest. Exhausted, Al finally plopped down and told Max he couldn't walk another step. I, I think we can stop now, agreed Max. "'Tis dark, and we need to rest." They happened to stop right under a big tree covered with grapevines. Max knew Al was tired when he didn't bother to climb up to get some grapes for a bedtime snack. Al's head was no sooner placed on top of his paws than he was asleep and snoring. Max was thirsty. He decided to go find a drink of water and left Al sleeping by the tree. He could hear the faint sound of running water, and made his way through the darkness to a small stream. The water was cool and fresh and felt good on Max's tongue. He sat down, thanking the maker for the day, when suddenly he heard Al's cry. Ah, Max, help, help! Max sighed and thought, oh, no. He went running back to the tree and saw black creatures flying all around Al. No, these are definitely enormous flying beasts, Max. Help! They're out to get me, cried Al. I wouldn't say enormous, but they are indeed flying beasts, replied Max. He moved in closer to see exactly what they were and why they were swooping down on poor Al. A low growl came from his throat as he barked at the unknown black beasts. Get away from me, friend, you wee beasts, growled Max. What do you mean, giving this kitty such a scare? Evening, sir. We're just picking after what we dropped, that's all. No harm meant by it. We don't eat cats, replied one of the beasts with a thick accent. Max got closer and saw that the beasts were actually bats. 
Al was stiff and mute with fear as their wings fluttered around his fur, now twice its size from fright. Max noticed Al was covered in grapes, his eyes bulging wide. What in the name of Peter are you doing? Max asked the bats. Oh, well, we were up in the tree and the vine fell that we were feeding from, explained one of the bats. Muscadine grapes is our favorite food, but it landed on this cat, so we decided to just keep eating. Blimey, I never seen such a frady cat before, answered the bat as he leaned in to whisper to Max. Well, if you don't mind, I'll pour the grapevine off me friend so you can eat without the clumps of fur in your grapes, said Max. The bats obliged and hovered in the air. Max walked over to Al, whose orange face now looked completely white, and pulled the vine over to the side of the tree. The bats resumed eating, and Max nudged Al to see if he was okay. Al hoarsely whispered to Max, I thought for sure those enormous flying beasts had followed me from the beehive and had grown. Sorry there, little kitty. We hope you're all right, said the bat. Max laughed. Oh, Al, bats are part of the forest life here in Scotland and can smell fruit from far away. The beastie's ears are grand at here in the faintest of noises. They're harmless. Uh, excuse me, sir, but you're not in Scotland remarked the bat. "'Where are we, then?' asked Max, surprised. "'In England, of course. Can't you tell by me lovely accent?' asked the bat. "'I had no idea we'd left Scotland,' said Max, amazed to know that he was in a whole new country. "'Yeah, well, you're in central England, right here in the heart of our fair land. Uh, "'Where you headed?' asked the bat. Uh, "'We aren't sure where we're headed, just that we're following the fire cloud to get there.' answered Max. Fire cloud? Never heard of it, remarked the bat, not really listening, but talking over Max. Must be a jolly good gaming event or something, eh? Fire cloud following, you say. But it's not a game, it's... Max tried to explain while being interrupted. Uh, we don't get out here much, you see. Everything we need is right here in the forest, so we're not up on the latest things, continued the bat. I'm trying to tell you that it's... Max attempted to continue. Well, we must be moving along. I smell a lovely bunch of currants half a mile from here. Best of luck on your fire cloud game, bid the bat. The cloud of bats took off into the black night of the forest. Max and Al were once again alone by the tree. What a buffoon, declared Max. Aye, bats may be good at hearing, but they sure aren't good at listening. They're just batty. Al, try to get back to sleep now. You had a hard day, and you even lost some fur from the fright, said Max. I'll try, Max. Me heart is still thumping in me chest, replied Al. Al lay down and looked all around him, especially up, to see if there was anything else out to get him. All seemed quiet, so he once again rested his head and closed his tired green eyes. Max thought he'd better stay near his friend, just in case another forest creature happened to pay them a visit. A cool mist settled in on the forest floor. Max and Al were sleeping soundly. An owl perched above the two tired travelers, golden eyes glowing in the darkness. He softly hooted as he sat there eyeing the forest nightlife. Something moved behind the owl in the distance, cracking a twig with a snap. The owl turned its head full around to see if it could make out the source of the noise. The forest floor was too dense from his vantage point to make out much of anything. 
More twig snaps. There was clearly more than one creature, and the noise was moving closer. Then the owl heard the distinct call of the creature and knew exactly what it was. Wolves. Max woke up immediately, as did Al. It was that hard kind of waking up when you've been in a deep sleep. Al couldn't quite remember where he was. Was he still in Ireland? By his cave? No. Wait. Green Hills, Sea, Scotland. Honey, flying beasts, Max, bats. I know I remember where I be. Max! Wolves! Do you hear them beasties howling? What should we do? cried Al. Steady, big Al. Just keep yourself still and quiet, calmly whispered Max. Al put his paws up over his mouth so he wouldn't yell out. He closed his eyes and tried to make himself smaller, but it did little to help his fear. Hearing more twigs snapping and the sound coming closer, Al was up the tree, clawing his way to safety when he ran headlong into a big pair of round, glowing eyes. Ah, there's no escape, cried Al as he ran right into the owl. The owl flapped his wings and screeched. Hoo, hoo. Al went clawing his way back down the tree and landed on top of Max. Max quickly got up and shook off his companion. You just couldn't wait, could you? Now hush. Al cowered so closely behind Max that his now doubled, fluffy orange fur blended into Max's small form, giving Max the appearance of a lion. They both sat quietly, yet couldn't hear a thing. Silence. The noises had stopped. Were the wolves gone? Or were they closer still, watching them in the darkness? Al, trying to be quiet, held his breath to the point of almost passing out. Max held a firm stance, tail up sharply, fur raised, and body poised for defense. His eyes were set in defiance to this new threat. But there was nothing. Al, can you see anything? whispered Max. Not with me eyes closed, answered Al. Well, seeing how you have eyes that can see in the blackness, maybe it would be a grand idea if you opened them to see if the wolves are coming, replied Max gruffly. Al opened one eye slowly, afraid to see anything. He quickly closed his eye and said, I don't see anything. Just then they heard a distant howl. It sent chills up their spines. But the wolves had moved on. Even so, Al dove into a pile of leaves. Max chuckled and remarked, There, you see, no wolves dared tangle with me. They moved right along, they did. Al hid in the leaves, terrified and causing them to shake as he whined, Max, I just can't handle any more of this. Fire cloud or no fire cloud, I think we should head back. What's so great about following the fire cloud anyway? We can't even see it, no. How do you know it's still there? It's probably just a dream we both had. And here we are, out in this black forest, surrounded by scary creatures, not knowing what's coming next. I, tis deft for the two of us, I say, to continue on. Let's turn back. Max stood there with his ears up and stern gaze directed at the pile of leaves. Are you quite through there, laddie? 
I have never quit anything in me entire life, and I don't plan on starting no. Sure, you've been frightened, but when will being frightened ever a good enough reason to quit? Gilliman told me that the Maker himself called me, and he has something important for me to do. Max picked up his reed and threw it in front of the leaves. Look at this, Kitty. Look at this. Two green eyes emerged from the leaves. This were not a dream. This reed spoke to me. Sure as you're laying there cowering in those leaves. And when sticks start speaking to me, I listen, exclaimed Max with his thick Scottish brogue. Max looked at Al and noticed that his big friend was about to cry. His heart softened as he considered that Al was not very brave. Max remembered Gilliman's gentle ways with him, so he calmed down. Look, me friend, I'm here to protect you. Has anything been able to harm you yet? asked Max. Al sniffed and said, Well, no, I've been scared, but nothing has really hurt me. Aye, and nothing will, as long as I'm with you, encouraged Max. He paused before he started to speak again, allowing a moment of comfortable silence as his words sunk into Al's frightened heart. But how do you know, Max? asked Al. How do you know you can protect me? Because Gilliman said that if the Maker calls me to do something, then he'll help me to do it. If he's called us to follow the fire cloud, it's going to lead us somewhere. And if the fire cloud is leading somewhere, then it wouldn't make sense that we couldn't reach it, wherever it may be, explained Max. Gilliman also said when the Maker asks you to do something, it isn't always going to be easy, Max continued. The right path through the forest were the hardest of the three, but it will lead us to the other side where we'll see the fire cloud again. Sometimes the least appealing path to take is the only right one to take and I'd rather have a harder path that puts me in the best place than an easy one that leads me nowhere I want to be. But why? Doesn't the Maker know we're just two wee creatures? Why wouldn't he make it easy for us? questioned Al. Max remembered another Gilliamanism. All creatures need to grow, and you can't grow without struggle. Al thought a minute, but didn't quite understand. The sun was beginning to rise, bringing light to the forest once more. Max took a deep breath and added, And no dark night ever lasts forever, my friend. Oh! Oh! I, what's the stick saying no? asked Al, jumping out of the leaves. Max snatched up his reed, and they once again started running through the forest. Max could smell the scent of the wolves and wondered if they would see them again. If so, he would be ready. So first Al had to deal with those silly bats, and bats are batty, and they can be scally. All right, I'll give you that, I suppose, but they weren't nothing compared to them wolves. I have to agree, but I am so glad you helped Al see that it's okay to be frightened, but not to let that fear cause you to give up. Like I told him. When you're following the Maker, it might be difficult, uh, it might be scary, but it's also blessed. So it's just a matter of trusting the Maker that he's always got a hold of you. Oui, and part of that trust 
easy in following the fire cloud. <laughs> Even if it still seems a bit daft. <laughs> but in Chapter 8, I do believe it'll start making a wee bit more sense. As our seagull friends, Krynan and Bazoo, lead us to a happy surprise. Aye, lass, for you're about to find out why this is one of me favorite chapters. Chapter 8 A Bonnie Lass The sea spray from the cresting waves exhilarated the two seagulls as they skimmed the surface of the water. Woohoo! yelled Crinan as his wings grazed the salty water before turning to fly up straight into the sky. Wait for me! called Bethu, flying up, up, up to meet Crinan in the air. What fun these two lovebirds were having, twirling around each other with sheer delight, enjoying the amazing world in which they lived. The sun sparkled on the dark blue sea below. As they flew higher, the waves appeared as white specks on the surface. Do you suppose we can get closer this time? asked Bethu. I don't see why not, me love. Let's try, said Crinan with a grin. Off the two flew into the mysterious region of the cloud they had followed for days. The cloud radiated power. It surged with energy and curious sovereignty. They flew in and out of the white puffy clouds but dared not go near the flame coming from the center. The fire held an irresistible attraction for them, almost pulling the two gulls into itself. Yet they could not bear the awesome brightness and heat that it produced. So they air-danced all around it, reveling in the mystery and the beauty of this incredible spectacle. Sometimes they would coast for hours on the wind currents formed from the heat of the clouds. When the clouds stopped moving, Crinan and Bethu made their way to solid ground to wait. They didn't know exactly where they were going, just that they heard the whisper of the fire cloud on the air current one day, telling them to follow along. Their hearts were pure and trusting, and the love they had for each other grew as they traveled together. They were making loops in the air when Bethu noticed a white speck on the beach below. It was running back and forth along the shoreline. What do you suppose it could be, dear? asked Bethu. I'm not quite sure, me love. Let's go see, answered Crinan. Crinan led the way as they swooped down to the cresting waves. They landed on a large rock at the water's edge and shook the sea spray from their wings. The little white speck came running up to them and stopped. It was a white dog, a West Highland Terrier. She was panting and had a pained look on her face. Hello, miss, greeted Crinan. We saw you running back and forth on the beach here below. Is everything okay? Good day to you. Thanks ever so much for coming to see me. I just don't know what to do, answered the little Westie. Bethu nudged Crinan. Oh, of course, where are me manners? Let us make your acquaintance, miss. I'm Crinan, and this is me wife, Bethu. We're from the Upper West Highland area of Scotland. Pleased to meet you. Nice to meet you both. Me name is Bonnie Caitlin Maitland, but most friends call me Kate. I'm from Scotland too, and I'm so happy to see you, answered Kate. Ah, uh, tis always grand to meet another Scotless. Now, what seems to be troubling you? asked Crinan. Well, I've been following that strange cloud in the sky up there. A voice back in Scotland told me to follow it. I know that sounds odd, but tis true. Now I've reached the end of the land, and 
I'm not sure what to do, explained Kate. Crinan and Bethu looked at each other, thinking the same thing. They weren't the only two creatures that had been called to follow the fire cloud. There was a twinkle in their eyes as they smiled and turned to Kate. Lass, we've been following the fire cloud also. We don't really know where we're going to end up. We just follow the cloud when it moves and stop when it stops. You mean to tell us you've been doing the same? asked Crinan. Aye, I were in me burrow back in Scotland when I heard the voice say, Come to me, follow the fire cloud. So I left and been traveling for days now. I feel so much better that I'm not the only one. What do you suppose it's all about? asked Kate, relief pouring into her eyes as she realized she wasn't alone in this mysterious journey. Well, we can tell you that there is something powerful coming from the fire cloud. We've been up flying all around it, and it is nothing like we ever seen. It's not natural, if you know what I mean, replied Crinan. Bethu spoke up. Do you suppose it's the maker himself in that cloud? I've wondered the same thing, Bethu, replied Kate. What other being could make such a spectacle in the sky? And what other being could call us like this? I never before felt such a pull at me heart. I feel drawn to go, and scared to go, but filled with a feeling of rightness about following. All at the same time, I thought I were daft at first, but I come to believe it's the right thing. It's got to be the maker. I think you fine lasses are right. Your hearts are so close to your feelings and the maker that I trust what you're saying. It makes sense that it is his self calling. Me question is, uh, why? said Crinan. I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out, but I get nowhere. And no, I really will get nowhere if I can't follow the fire cloud over this water, replied Kate sadly. Bethu flapped her wings, leaving the rock and landing on the ground next to Kate. There, there, dearie, replied Bethu. We can figure something out. There's always a way, especially with the maker's help. Kate and Bethu shared a smile. Aye, but I wish he'd show it to me, replied Kate. Crinan and Bethu looked at each other, feeling helpless to assist their newfound friend. They, of course, could keep flying and following the fire cloud. But how could they leave Kate behind? The fire cloud burned brilliantly in the sky, pulling their hearts onward. The trio sat on the beach, staring at the cloud, and then out to sea, wondering what they could possibly do. Al continued to run and jump up on the rocks at a fast pace, while Max trotted steadily on the ground below. The smell of sea breeze was getting stronger. Max! I think we're getting close to the sea, yelled Al, bounding from rock to rock. Aye, I can smell it, lad. Do you see anything from up there on those rocks? asked Max. Just a green hill up ahead. Maybe when we get up there, we'll be able to see the water, replied Al. Max already wondered about that water. What if this land they were on was a big island? If they reached the sea... That would surely mean they would be at the end of their destination with the fire cloud, or would it? Max picked up his trotting pace and started to run. He had to know. 
he went blazing past Al, who had stopped up on a rock to play with a patch of swaying green grass, chewing on the ends of the tallest blades. Hey, wait for me, yelled Al, spitting grass and running after Max. Max ran ahead of Al and reached the rocky ledge that overlooked the wide expanse of ocean below. The coastline spread as far as the eye could see in either direction. The sea breeze blew into Max's face and he closed his eyes, drinking in the salty aroma. Below was a steep incline leading down to the water's edge. Max sat a moment and thought to himself, Well, this must be the end of the journey. It went as far as I thought it would be, and we didn't go to as many different lands as I thought we would, but it were still a grand adventure. Now, what was this all about, I wonder? Al broke Max's train of thought as he belly-crawled up next to him and exclaimed, Look, Max, the fire cloud is there in the southern sky. Sure, and it's still moving. Where are we supposed to go? Max looked at the fire cloud, and indeed, onward it moved. This was a puzzle. Suddenly, his eyes drifted to movement on the beach below. There's someone down there, Max said, keeping his gaze on the beach. Al didn't look down at the beach, but rolled over on his back against the rock ledge. Just tell me they're friendly. Tell me they're not wolves or things that howl or flying things or creatures that bite or beasties with fangs or creatures that come out in the night. Shh, Max said. What is it? What do you see, Max? Al said nervously. It's a Westie, a white Westie, Max replied. Al squeezed his eyes shut. No, no, not a Westie. How big is this beast? Does it have fangs? Does it eat cats? Is it enormous and fly and have... I'm going down, said Max, leaving Al rambling on about his fear of the Westie while he bounded down the rocky ledge toward the beach. No, Max, you can't leave me, Al cried. Suddenly, Al heard a howl in the distance. Out popped his claws, and down he scooted, bottom first, all the way down the cliff's edge, scratching the rocks and screaming at the top of his lungs. Oh, poor Al. But on the other hand, ooh la la, Kate is such a sweet doggie, and she says she felt a pull at her heart. Aye, <laughs> me too. But hers was being pulled by the fire cloud. Uh... I, uh, 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 mine too. Max, what was really pulling at your heart? Well, huh? she is indeed a bonny lass. <laughs> oui, monsieur. And the bonny lass who created her is Miss Jenny. It's time for Jenny's Corner. I ever wondered what Miss Jenny would be doing if she weren't being a writer then? Mm. Well, you're not alone. But Miss Jenny has an answer for us. Hello, Miss Jenny. Hey, Max and Liz. Well, you heard me question, right? What would you be doing if you didn't write books for a living? Well, before I was a writer, I was a marketer. I actually have two degrees. My undergraduate degree from the University of Georgia is in marketing, and I had a master's degree in marketing from Georgia State University. And before I became an author, I worked in the healthcare field. And I worked at Scottish Rite Children's Medical Center, which is now Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And I also worked for my church for a little while doing some marketing and communications. So I did lots of other things before I ever knew that I was actually called to be an author. But now that I write full time, 
And I finally found the thing that God wired me to do, made me passionate to do. I will be writing until the day I die, I think. I don't think I will ever be able to retire from writing, but I love it so much. And we love that you love to write. Aye, we wouldn't be here if she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And we invite you to write too. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question for Miss Jenny, write it down in an email and send it to jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com. Right, Mr. Announcer Lad? Uh, right. <laughs> Send your emails to jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com. Well, that concludes today's episode. Join us next time for Chapter 9 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud when we find out that Maximilian Braveheart has made room in his heart for more than just bravery. Oof. See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis.